0: Hi, this is Pastor Daniel Bracken. You're listening to Kings Alaska Podcast. I hope the Word encourages you and you get a touch from God that brings transformation and equips you to experience life with people, power, and purpose. Thank you for joining us. Enjoy the Word. Genesis chapter 11, verse 1 through 9. Now the whole world had gone... Had Pardon me. Now the whole world had one language... and a common speech. As men moved eastward, they found a plain of Shinar and they settled there. You can turn my monitors down a whole bunch because they're ringing. So sorry. Verse three. They said to each other, come let us make bricks and bake them thoroughly. They used brick instead of stone and tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build ourselves a city with a tower that reaches to the heavens so that we may make a name for ourselves and not be scattered over the face of the whole earth. But the Lord came down to see the city and the tower that the men were building. The Lord said, quote, if as one people speaking the same language, they have begun to do this, then nothing they plan will, to do will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse our language so they will not understand each other. So the Lord scattered them from there all over the earth and they stopped building the city and that is why it is called Babel, because the Lord confused the language of the whole world. From there, the Lord scattered them over the face of the whole earth. Come on, let's pray for a moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the grace of God upon us. We ask Holy Spirit that you would move in great power now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you say a high five and a greet someone next to you and say, brace yourself. I've entitled this, The Plans of Man and the Purposes of God, and how this message has come about, though I've preached from it numerous times, how it's come about is I was praying and I heard the Lord tell me to preach from the text in an unusual way. I heard him say, the God of Marduk and the sin of Babel. And I know what that meant. I knew that that come right from Genesis 11. How many of you glad that God's a speaking God? Come on, he's sheep, know and hear his voice. (laughs) Ecclesiastes, you can go there if you want to. I'll I'll paraphrase it. That which has been shall be again. Everybody say that. That which has been shall be again. That's Ecclesiastes, Ecclesiastes 1 and 9. There is a repetition in history. History repeats itself. And if you study history, you'll see that. There really is nothing new under the sun. And so I'm going to give you quite quite a bit of content. And it is our hope that tonight, in the moments that remain tonight, that you'd receive living understanding, that you would receive revelation that causes a revolution in your heart. You would receive something from God that you would then be able to bring back into your life this week and bring the kingdom. Hey, Mom. Come on, somebody say amen. 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 A number of years ago, there was an archaeological find. 19th century group of German archaeologists made a remarkable find. And uh, they found this rubble, what appeared to be a large temple, 50 feet high at its base, about seven stories. It began to unearth all of this, like a kind of like a, a, a towering cake. You know, it had, it had levels or layers, if you will. And what they figured is it was at least 300 feet high. And they began to discover this what they called a a ziggurat. Um, The Tower of Babel is what we read about here. And there have been many over the course of history that's tried to rebuild the Tower of Babel. It's been destroyed many times. Common misunderstanding told in many Sunday schools is the Tower of Babel was built so the people could escape the flood. That's not true. Flood took place, wiped out the earth, except Noah, a man of righteousness, began to be fruitful and multiply it was like God started over. How many of you like to start over on some things? And uh, so God was like, oh my gosh, we need to start over. There's a number of reasons for that. If you look in Genesis and the, the sons, of, sons of God took the daughters of men and this seemingly very perverse, mix of the demonic and humans was brought about, also called the Nephilim. And a pollution of what I would call the edemic seed. In fact, you can study and look and see how, how the enemy has tried to destroy the edemic seed. And if we got into some of the things tonight about what's happening right now, it would flat out freak you out. Because that which has been will be again. This story is so profound. Right in our text, (laughs) It's, it's Hebrew humor, really. See if you can understand this. I've taught you over the years about this. Come, let us build for us a tower. Come, let us build, verse four. Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower that reaches into the heavens. And let us make a name for ourselves so that the whole earth. Okay, and then it says, and the Lord came down. Do do you understand? So it's man, they're building a tower and the Lord's like, What are you doing? <laughs> That's the picture. So it's man and his tower, and the Lord's like, "Let's go down there and let me see what you're building there." It's it's hysterical, really. It's a sarcastic. Let us let us go down. And he doesn't knock down the he doesn't knock down the tower. I. I think I saw that on a flannel graph in some false Sunday school, false religion Sunday school somewhere. But he doesn't knock down the tower. He confuses their language. It's interesting. He confused their language. And he begins to send out people nations in form and people are scattered about. And what's fascinating is why would God do that? Why would God do that? Why would, why would, what, what was the Lord concerned about? Well, it's the same thing he was concerned about in Genesis 3 when Adam, Eve, Eve took. She took from the tree the knowledge of good and evil. She did what? She took from the knowledge of the tree of good and evil. In Genesis, I believe it's chapter six. Go ahead, turn there with me. I mean, this is one of the creepiest verses of Scripture. Verse one when men began to increase in number on the earth and the daughters of men were born to them, the sons of God. Now there's a number of ways to interpret this. The sons of God saw the daughters of men and they were beautiful and they married any of them they chose. The picture is sons of God literally being demon spirits. You said, well, does that happen today? There's a lot of argument and a lot of creepy stuff you can read on the internet. I'd suggest to stay away from it. The Bible says to be excellent in what is good and the innocent of evil. And you can go down the rabbit hole and twist yourself into a knot hole about the are in the earth. How about gods in the earth? How about, how about we have authority? We've got power. You don't need to worry about all of that. What about aliens? I'm not worried about aliens. Other aliens? I don't know. God's on the throne. If I imagine if there's aliens that we would read about it in Scripture if I needed to be worried about it. Maybe they're manifestations of devils. It's a whole nother message and it is hotly contested about what the meaning of sons of God, what that meaning is. But you look, I believe it's 1 Peter where it says that they were held up in this place, the special section of hell. They have their own section of hell reserved for judgment. So you say, well, are they still running around fornicating in the earth? There are some that would tell you that, but scripture says that they're held in this special place in hell reserved for them until the day of judgment. So why would God knock down the, uh, pardon me, why would God confuse their language? See, I'm, I'm casually saying he knocked down the tower. He didn't. He confused her language. Eve, Adam, and Eve took. You see these sons of God, these demonic entities taking, and you see you see here man making plans, and it's really tied to Nimrod. I want you to go to Genesis chapter ten and uh, Moses under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, writes here, and he speaks here of what's called the table of nations. And he takes extra time to talk about this guy, Nimrod. Don't name your son or daughter Nimrod. That just, I don't think that'd go over too good. Genesis 10 and verse eight, Cush begot Nimrod, He began to be a mighty one on the earth. He was mighty hunter before the Lord. Therefore, it is said like Nimrod, the mighty hunter before the Lord. He was a builder. He built many, many different cities and he became a very strong leader and a corrupt leader. And he gathered people together to build this tower to make a name men of renown to make a name for themselves. There are so many people trying to make a name for themselves. Let me tell you, there's really only one name that matters. And it's the name of Jesus. It's the name name of God the Almighty. His name matters. Our names don't really matter all that much, nor should they. You say, well, I just want to have my name in lights. You probably wouldn't need to be set free from that. men of renown. They were spread out. They were supposed to go out throughout all the city, but they didn't. They settled in this place called Shinar, as we read in the text. And instead of moving out as the Lord asked them to, commanded them to, they didn't. And they begin to settle in this place of Shinar, Shinar, which is really east of of Eden, right, right near Eden in that very place. What many believe is that Nimrod uh, is really none other than the god of war and hunting. Also called Marduk. What is typical in ancient cultures and ancient, ancient cultures across the land is that, across the earth I should say, is that they would have a strong leader who would then, they would make a deity out of. Pharaoh. He, even today, the, the emperor of, of Japan is supposed to marry the sun god in, in a rice paddy. How many of you know or you're aware of some of this? Today, there's a procedure, a, a rite, where the emperor of Japan goes out to a rice paddy and he spends the night with the sun god and becomes literally deity. You see this through, you see it in Genesis 6, but you see it throughout all of, all of the, the scripture. Constantly, there's this perversion where man's trying to ascend into the heavens and become something great, trying to become a name, a man of renown, a, a name for themselves. And this is, what, this is what we believe has happened here in this city. The tower was an attempt, listen closely, The city and the tower was an attempt to make a one-world ruler. And that's where you begin to see this Antichrist figure, a one-world ruler, and you see it sprinkled and woven throughout all of the Old Testament on into the New. Nimrod was an Antichrist figure. Satan's plan is... Nimrod is literally declaring himself to be immortal literally declaring himself to be god and literally rebelling against almighty god by doing no you know something we're not gonna go all throughout make cities we're staying right here and y'all gonna worship me and he was so powerful he was able to pull it off and he made this tower that went into the heavens that, that word heavens is, is, a, is, a, is a powerful word to study. In Deuteronomy, they come back with the bad report, two had a good report, Joshua and Caleb, the other 10 didn't. They come back and they say, they have fortifications into the heavens. It's this picture of power and strength. But how many of you know there's no power that can resist our God? How many of you know there's no strength besides him? It's like an ant and a boot. Not much competition there, not much battle. Satan's plan is to do the very same thing at the end of time, to make a one world ruler. And all the world has set its stage for the Antichrist because that which has been will be again. The tower is interesting. It was like a portal, what many believe. Come, let us build ourselves a city, a tower whose top is in the heavens it's a picture of strength picture of power but it was a gate even in the name babel the name babel in in the original language means the gateway of heaven that's what that means but again hebrew humor it was babel which is the gateway of heaven in the original language but it's translated Babel in Hebrew because it's not the gateway of heaven. It's like they said, this is the gateway of heaven. And so the Lord comes down and looks at it and says, no, oh, it's not the gateway of heaven. It's a gateway of confusion. That's what Babel means and says, shnuh. Come on, somebody say shna Man overstepping its limits. And we see this today. We see man overstepping his limits. Messing with genes. There is, a, I'm just gonna tap it, but I'm not gonna go deep into it. But there is a tremendous movement to isolate the age gene. What the, the What? The age gene to be able to find that gene that causes you to get old and like sift it out. Come on, some of you put on all you put on so much cream, it's like, or, or maybe you need to. I don't know. I'm just don't know, like you put on lots of cream at night. I mean, there's there's so much glistening going on there that 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 bugs get stuck in it when they. You kiss your husband denied, and then you apply that stuff and then there's no touching after that. <laughs> They're trying to isolate the age gene. It's mankind actually trying to create or make himself eternal. There are some that talk about the, 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 the God gene. don't don't go into it. I would would tell you to avoid it. That's all I'm going to say about that. But that which has been will be again. And mankind is trying to elevate himself, trying to raise himself up to make a name so he doesn't need God. So he doesn't need a redeemer. So he doesn't need a savior. So really, you know, the power, the power of the human mind, you only use about 3% or whatever it is of your mind. But if you could expand your mind, you're stupid. Ready. I'm gonna go ahead and use names. Tony Robbins to date. Tony Robbins to date, as far as my as I understand it, is just a false teacher. Because anyone who does not acknowledge Jesus has come in the flesh and does signs, wonders, and miracles. Listen, you can have a positive mental attitude, and you can walk over white, you know, red coals in your nylons, and they don't, you don't get burned, and you can do all kinds of stuff because you're, you, you have power over it with your mind. And there's no acknowledgment of Jesus, no elevation of Jesus, and that power does not come from God; it comes from the devil. And the problem with the, with the human potential movement, you understand what I'm saying. The human potential movement is you haven't really realized how awesome you really are. I would say that's true. Awesome in God and that you can do anything through God. You can do anything. Amen. But when you remove God, then you make yourself to be a God and you're nothing but a Nimrod. Come on, bump your neighbor and say, don't be a Nimrod. nimrod. My God. God came down, scattered them. There's only one way. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one truth. There's only one door. Turn to John chapter 10. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. John 10, most assuredly, verse 1 I say to you, he who does not enter by the sheepfold door, but climbs up like a Nimrod, <laughs> climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the doors, the shepherd of the sheep, to him the doorkeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name. He leads them out, verse four. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him. They know his voice. Jesus is, Is the door. You can't earn your way into heaven. You can't do enough good things to to earn your way to salvation. You you can surrender your body to the flames. It'll be utterly scorned. You can give all that you have to the poor and still that's not what's going to save. You can go to church every day of your life and I pray you do but not in a way that you would try to build yourself a name and make yourself a Nimrod. Do you understand? You can't earn it. You can't earn it. You must receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That is the only, come on, someone say that's the only way. That's the only way. You gotta give your life to Christ. Come on, have a praise break and say, "You you know that's right. The plans of man and the purposes of God, man's always trying to make a fig leaf. Adam and Eve were naked. They, they found themselves to be naked, and so they made fig leaves. That's a picture of religion. That's Nimrod by another name. You can't cover your nakedness. You can't cover your shame. You can't, you can't deal with your sin any other way except for the shedding of blood, and it's not your own. It's the, it's the sinless blood of the Lamb, Jesus. Come on, somebody say thank you, Jesus. There's another thing here what God's saying to us. There's power in agreement. Come on, somebody say there's power in agreement. Verse six, if one people speak in the same language, they begin to do this and nothing they plan, nothing they plan, nothing they plan will be impossible for them. But it does mean that if there's, and this ties into a message I preached recently about how to win in the hard fought fight how to overcome when there's an agreement of evil it gets entrenched it's it's harder to break through when there's agreement in evil agreement is one of it's an incredible supernatural power that god's allowed But the purpose of agreement is not for the devil. It's for you and I to come into agreement with God and his word, as Pastor Alex was saying. You learn his word. You grow in his word. You memorize his word. You speak his word. You act on his word. And you know what will happen? God's kingdom will break out on the right, break out on the left. You're sitting in a miracle. Some of you think this thing just happened. Oh, no, it didn't. It happened by, some, by a few people coming into agreement with their actions, with their words, with their finances, with their prayers. A few people, just a few. Can you imagine what would happen if we got a whole community in agreement? Would take the whole United States of America. Turn me up just a touch. That's what God wants us to do. Job 42. 2. I know that you can do everything that no purpose of yours will be withheld from you talking about the Lord. The whole point being this that agreement can usher in can usher you into a great realm of power. Who you're in agreement with the same is true so you can be in agreement with the devil with the lies and that'll usher you into the power of darkness or you can be in agreement with god his word his people with your prayers and your action it'll usher you into the power of god and i will tell you that that's where you want to be because the other one brings confusion brings babble brings destruction brings shame brings sickness brings disease even though at first he might come as an angel of light You'll be able to walk on coals and see how great you are, but in the end, you'll be shaking your fists in utter scorn where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. No, I'm going to choose God. Come on, someone say that. I'm going to choose God. There's tremendous authority that's released when you come in agreement. And you see this principle throughout the Word, throughout the New Testament even as a church there needs to be agreement power and authorities we come together as a nation we need to be in agreement we're not we're splintered because the church was asleep in the arms of the enemy but i do believe that there's a church that's rising i do believe that there's a remnant i do believe that there's a people who are saying no more No more. I do believe that there's a people being set on fire that say, you know what? He delivered me from that life. He delivered me from this bondage. And he can deliver you and are not ashamed. I, I preached not long ago. Tell the truth. The whole truth. Nothing but the truth. You need to tell the truth. You don't have to be bound anymore. You don't have to be addicted anymore. You don't have to be broke anymore. You can be free. You can lie in your bed at night filled with peace and joy and love and hope and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control. You try lying and manipulating. Turn to Philippians chapter two. While you're turning there in Titus 3.10, listen to this. If there's a divisive man among, him, among you, warn him, Once, twice, and have nothing to do with them. Why? Baseball's three strikes. Titus three is two strikes. Why would you do that? Why would you warn a divisive man, a divisive person, a divisive woman? Why would you warn them once, twice, and have nothing to do with them? Because that is how important agreement is in the kingdom. And if you break agreement, I'm just telling you, we're... Some of you don't know. You'll read the book and you're like, I had no idea. You'll read the book that we're going to write here. We're going to put it together. We're going to collate all the miracles and all the stories. We'll put together, write a book. And we'll do that over the next year. So help me God. Why? Because people need to know that with God, nothing is impossible. And this is just a little building. It's not about a building. It's about a people. It's about the harvest, about souls. Church is not about a building. It's about people. And if we could come into agreement for a harvest, we will see. I have seen thousands and thousands streaming here, coming in from Anchorage, coming down from Fairbanks, flying in from all over the world. I have seen thousands and thousands and thousands of people coming. We have dreams. Pastor Kirsten has this most incredible prophetic dream of this harvest coming in. But not if we don't stay in agreement. You don't stay in agreement, you lose. That's why I have a zero strife policy. Somebody said, we have a zero strife policy. We have some strife, not for long. Come on, somebody say, no, no strife. <laughs> Philippians chapter two, listen to this. Church of Philippi was so prevalent, so strong. But they were at war with each other. The church of Philippi. And here's what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2:2. 2, 2, Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort and love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Do you hear that? He's saying, Stop it, stop arguing. Stop the strife. Get an agreement. You guys don't understand the power of agreement. And you're being splintered. In families, you need to have agreement in your family. Mothers and fathers, brothers and sisters, you need to have agreement. Well, we're not, only, we're not always in agreement. Well, you can agree to disagree and forgive and move on. That's for sure. But there needs to be agreement in the church. Look at verse 3. Let nothing be done of a selfish ambition. Oops oopsie, or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. Let each of you look not only for your own interests, but also the interests of others. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being the very form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of man. We need to be like that. We need to be humble and broken and transparent. We need to stay in agreement. It is absolutely crucial. And we all are threatened by the sin of Babylon, the sin of Babel, which is what? What do you mean by that? That you can do it on your own, Nimrod. Nimrod that you can make it on your own. I'm gonna tell you, you can make it, but it won't be the kingdom of God. You'll make something, but it won't smell good. It won't be good. Nimrod was self-sufficient. I did it my way. You're a fool. You do your ways, my way, the highway. You were also a fool. And is there anyone here besides me that was a fool? I I used to be, I'm not doing that anymore. I'm doing it his way. I'm going to do it his way. And then I find myself at times with a, you know, like a Nimrod, I find myself doing it my way at times and have to course correct because the flesh is strong. The flesh wants you to get you out from agreement with God. The flesh wants you to get you out from agreement with the word. The flesh wants you to get you out of agreement with the church, out of agreement with the vision. He wants you to isolate yourself. And and the man who isolates himself rages against all understanding, says the book of Proverbs. No, we need to do it his way. We need to do it in agreement with each other. And if we will do that, repent of self-sufficiency. Please understand, there are times where you need to pull yourself up by a, your own bootstraps and grow a spine. I understand that. Alaskans have grit. But it's even God in the midst of that that'll anoint you and help you and encourage you to pull your own bootstraps up. There's an interdependence. It's not, Alaskans just think like, I'm a car fishing. Where's my sourdough? I'm gonna get that ding done. Okay, that's great. But without God, It's only you and your sourdough. So God wants us to be interdependent on him and prayer is so crucial to that. We really are living at the end of time. You know what prayer is? Prayer is so powerful because it says this, I can't do this without you, God. But with you, we can do all things. I don't know how to make it. I don't know my way through. I don't know the wisdom. Lord, would you help me? Go, God. And you take authority. You bind and you loose. You take authority over demon power. You pray for healing. You pray for wisdom. You pray for God's direction. The footsteps of the righteous are ordered by the Lord. You must have your life soaked in prayer. It needs to be part of the very fabric of your life. That's why we have so many prayer meetings. That precious lady with the gray hair right there, I'm gonna prophesy over you. I just met you tonight. There is a powerful intercessory gift that rests upon you and you're what I would call a prophetic intercessor. The Lord shows you things, you pray, and he does them. And many times your gift has gotten you in trouble. Many times you've you've not been so appreciated for your boldness, for your zeal, for your passion, but you have traveled the world in prayer, and God has used you, says the Lord. I've used you to intervene on behalf of missionaries and pastors. And there was one particular situation where, where like a, a Jezebel-type spirit, there was an assignment of adultery that was focused on a particular man of God that you were praying for, the Lord intervened and he cut it off. And there are many miracles that God will release through you as you pray. You have tremendous stories. You could write books about how God has blessed you and brought you through, but half the story is yet to be been told. Take courage, sister. The best is yet to come. Come on, somebody say amen. What a great word prayer. We're, we're dependent, interdependent on God. But isn't it, is it not amazing to you? It is amazing to me that we would, he would actually look, we could cripple heaven through our prayerlessness. Oh, oh, no, think about that. Now there's certain things are unconditional, all right? Like the return of Christ. He's coming back. We could all backslide tonight. He's still coming. And you could pray he doesn't come, but that's not going to work. It's an unbiblical prayer. But it's also interesting that how we behave and how we live, we can, we can speed his return. The spirit and the bride say, come. Fascinating. You see, both dimensions, the bride, the bride of Christ... Okay, we're working out bugs. How many of you know you get new systems? So for the record, did not touch the mute switch. Somebody said, that first Sunday, was there a dragon behind stage? Because I've never seen that much smoke in my life. (laughs) No. No, there wasn't. And it's water-soluble, water-solution, organic haze, for the record. We are working out certain details, so you'll just bear with us. Come on and say, Lord, give me a revelation of prayer. That's why we have so many prayer meetings. That's why we do what we do. This whole thing has been based on prayer. Somebody hadn't figured it out. If, if for a moment, the veil could be removed and you could see what the Lord is holding back. Because if your prayers feeble and weak as they are at times, and we all are feeble and weak at times if you could see that veil would be removed, you would have quite the prayer life. If you could see how the enemy's trying to manipulate you in the different things you're doing. You don't need to be afraid of him. You need to trust in God and remain in him, abide in him. You need to be a person of prayer. But there really is a battle that's going on. Thank God that he protects us. Thank God we don't get to see all that creepy stuff. But there are times when the Lord will give you a snapshot. As Pastor Kirsten had a dream was it a dream? The boat He' was in a boat. Everything's going great while he prays. And I'm paraphrasing, but the, the sail in his boat is filled with wind, and he's just, "woo!" putting the rail under, all of you sailing people know what that's like, just beautiful sailing ahead. Then he stops praying, the wind stops blowing, and out of the ocean comes this crazy 12-headed sea monster, or whatever it is, tries to, ah, tries to devour him. And he's like, oh, Jesus, Jesus. And the wind starts blowing, and it takes him. And he stops praying, and the 45-head sea monster pops up again. And I'm, I forget exactly what the Lord said to you, but yeah, the idea is that if you, keep, you continue to pray, you'll move forward in the kingdom and the powers of darkness will be thwarted. Can you say amen? And that's very biblical. All right. Satan's strategy is the Antichrist. Uh, the world has become a global village. And it, it is interesting as I've been thinking and praying towards this message and I was, as I was taking a, a nap this afternoon, which was like amazing. Does anybody do a Sunday nap? When I got saved, they just said, here's what you do. You go to church, all the services you go. Then you eat lunch, and then you take a nap. That's what Christians do. And then when you wake up, you go back to church Sunday night. I've been doing that ever since I got saved. So as I was praying and all of this swirling through my spirit, I began to think about how how fashion and language and so much is being unified through this. Snapchat and TikTok, the Chinese spyware, on and on and on, that you, if you travel overseas, we just got back from Italy and from, from the Holy Land, and we'll take a tour to the Holy Land by the grace of God, Lord willing, next year in November. We got back. I'm just going to tell you that there's there's these niches of niches of of style and stuff and language. It's all around. And it it comes from being unified through these phones and and through these apps. Now, some of you are not on it like that, but I will tell you that most are, the younger generation are glued to their phones or glued to these apps, and I think we can use them for the great harvest. But it's amazing how there's a global village and people are being lulled to sleep. Why? So they can set, so the enemy, the Antichrist can set the stage for the son of perdition. That's what he's doing. He's doing the same thing he did throughout history because that which has been will be again. say, Pastor, you're kind of freaking me out a little bit. Good. Have the worship team, please whole generation is being programmed to think the same way and we're moving to a universal one world nimrod i i i said that on purpose he is a type of antichrist father son holy spirit antichrist false prophet and anybody know the third one i can't remember either it's because i'm fasting but Antichrist, false prophet, and uh, uh, Satan. There we go. I got it. <laughs> it's the unholy trinity. Never forget that God's at work. And what's fascinating to me, turn to Acts chapter 2 as we bring this in for a landing. Scattered scattered and confused the language. What man thought was a gateway to heaven became a place of confusion. You are not God, neither am I, and you never will be. And what mankind did to create a tower and a name for himself is the same thing that's happening today. You'll see it, be aware of it, watch out for that. You know what the answer is, is? You don't be freaked out. Don't ever forget. Everybody say this. Don't ever forget. God is at work. God's at work. He's not even nervous. He's causing all things to work together for the good. He's, he's, he's setting us up for the greatest outpouring that there has ever been. He is. And I believe we're moving into those that time. If you unite your heart, You unite your mind with God's word, God's plan. You know what God's plan is? Be filled with the spirit. (laughs) I said, God's plan is to be filled with the spirit of God. Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. that verse on the day of Pentecost, they were all together in one place, in one accord. There was a unity. A number of times in my course of pastoring for these couple decades, I've seen this happen in a service. Very rare. And you think, well, how come the Lord, is he just holding back? No. No, it's just that half of the congregations distracted, looking forward to the meal they're about to have or on their phone. So there's not a one accord. I don't know if you've ever been in a prayer meeting where life itself is on the line and that if God doesn't come down and touch the situation, then you're gonna suffer great loss. I don't know if you've ever been in a prayer meeting like that, I have. That is a different kind of prayer. It's not cute. You certainly don't care how many likers you got, likers you got on your post or how many haters you have. You don't care about that. You certainly don't care how many people are viewing your YouTube channel or what your check is gonna be from the latest commission. You're not thinking about any of that. You're not thinking about the burnt toast or how your wife didn't or your husband didn't or your kid. When you are really, really pressed and, and you need God to come through, that is a very different kind of violent prayer. There's a oneness to come in agreement. And I found this, that when you come in agreement with God's word, and somehow by his grace, he shows you the importance of, of that moment of violence and unity. It is then that there's a release of peeling, the paga of God, these lightnings of God, the release of God's power. And some of you don't know about that because you just haven't, you haven't experienced it yet. Yet others of you do know. They preach this message to tell you this. Your own self-sufficiency will never satisfy you. Will never help you. Will never bring forth the plan of God. Oh, an interdependence on God, an interdependence and a unity with His Word, a unity with His with His with His love, and with brothers and sisters in Christ. We'll turn the battle at the gate. We'll raise the dead and heal the sick and set the captives free. God's word be true. Every man be a liar, and yet we are, we just don't really believe it sometimes. If you will step away from self-sufficiency and look at your life as interdependence, then there is nothing that'll be impossible with God. God and us is a majority. Well, I hope you were encouraged by God's word. Thank you again for listening to King's Alaska podcast. God bless you. For more great content, go to kcalaska.com. And may God's face shine upon you and give you peace.